0: Grant writing is one of those things that small organizations love and hate. I would say the idea of grant funding that is funding programs that feels like large amounts of money coming in and one ask is really. A dream for so many small organizations, but they struggle with how to do that well and how to report on grants and how to take that one-time program funding and turn it into more sustainable long-term investments. We're going to talk about all things grant writing today on the podcast. <music> I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical down-to-earth advice on how to get more done for your small organization. Because you are going to change the world, and we're here to help. So my guest today is Deronda Harrison from June 1st Firm, and I love Duranda's approach to grant writing. And what she does, I think, is so unique in this space because she's leveraging her grant experience and helping other organizations develop the capacity to do this themselves. And so, Duranda, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Cindy. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. You and I agree on so much when it comes to grant writing and I'm so grateful for you to share your expertise with our audience and we're kind of just gonna dive right in because there's a lot of myths I think around grant writing and some of the challenges that organizations face but before we dive into the areas for improvement. I'd love to hear from you. What is the benefit? Like how can grants help small organizations?
1: Yeah, there is a real benefit to grants. It's an additional revenue stream for your organization. And like I've shared in the past, there's more opportunities for small nonprofits like never before with the impact of COVID and all the social unrest and the light has been shined on those that have been marginalized so really it's a really good time for smaller nonprofits emerging nonprofits is what I like to call them to pursue grant opportunities so again just starting in your local community your local community foundation Mm. a lot of programs in I know in the I'm in the states Cindy's in Canada she's my favorite Canadian by the way I just want to throw that out there (laughs) But really look into like your power companies. They have like these roundup programs here in the States, really big in the South, where they ask their customers to round up their Mm. their services or their fees. And they take those funds and they'll distribute it to local nonprofits in the community. And they just have this like really simple, tiny little grant application that I really, really encourage a lot of small nonprofits to try out. Yeah. To apply for. It's really good.
0: That's so great. And the interesting thing is I feel like the corporate giving space has shifted a lot more to grants than it used to be where now there's formal processes. So very often I see organizations think like, okay, we're going to do corporate and we're going to do grant writing. But often. I would say the majority of corporate asks that I see with our clients are now actually more of a grant application. So if you build this skill set, it's kind of like two for one. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. And that's what I tell. Start with those, like, again, your community foundations, your local companies, whatever they like, power company, utility companies, and get your language together and start applying for your like corporate banks, local banks. I have a grant applications again. Not anything very difficult if you provide yeah. youth services or youth programs. All the kids they have a smart, simple grant application. The grocery chain here in yeah. the south, even in the east northeastern region yeah. as well. So yeah, it's just really check out those grant applications. You're like you can't afford a grant writer. Start there,
0: yeah, and see yeah. and go from there. I love that. You mentioned you can't like if you can't afford a grant writer, because I feel like there's a lot of a lot of people in our sector who are doing grant applications who are not formal grant writers. And so I want to talk about some options for them. I mean, one thing let's talk about hiring out. Because I get so many questions. Some organizations might be able to save a little bit of money and they want to hire some support. And then after that, I'd love to talk about how you can also develop your internal staff. But in terms of hiring out grant support, I get a lot of questions around like working for on commission or how many grant applications should they be submitting? So what does a successful like outsourced grant writing support look like?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I often get, so I'm going to look at this from as a consultant and give you that answer. So other consultants take this advice when, um, nonprofits reach out to you. They're like, our budget is this small amount. I don't want, I won't say what it is. I don't want to offend anyone, but now we need to know what is your grant success rate rating? What is, um, all the grants that you've won? They have me want me to send them five samples and all these things. Those are usually a red flag for me because people that, Organizations that are ready, that need my services, they're like, just send me the contract. So mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll have all these requirements, but not really in a position to really pay for services, not yeah. at a high level, I'll say. Yeah. So they're more, I don't want to say scared or concerned that their money the limited amount that they may have for yeah. grant writing services. They want to make sure that they're used effectively. So they just may not be in a position to hire a grant writer at the time. And that's totally, you know, totally yeah. fine. But like, just as far as the number of applications you should be submitting in a month, I give a number, but again, their are deadlines. Like their grant yeah. deadlines. They could be, I, there's been some <laughs> months, I've sent eight which is excessively a a lot, (laughs) if you don't know. (laughs) That's a lot of grants and reports in one month. And then some months, it may be two. Some months, it may be one. But just what I generally say on average for organizations that have a pretty robust grant program, it could be anywhere from three to four grants in a month.
0: Yeah. What questions should an organization be asking if they are interviewing grant writers?
1: So yeah, you want to just... I would say study the grant writer, follow them on LinkedIn. Mm. What is their experience and background? What have they won grants in in the past? They should have all this information on their LinkedIn or on their website. And I'm one of those people like these days, you don't even have to have a website, but just really like study them, ask questions, see who else they work with. You don't have to like get on the phone and talk to all the people that they work with. but Those type of things will just come up naturally if you're following them. And see if they're a part of any professional or membership organizations, because if they're in the industry, this is what they do. They study the industry and they want to also be better. So just making sure that you can trust them. They can be trusted. Mm So um, I just heard so many horror stories of people paying grant writers and not turning out great at all.
0: Yeah. One of the big things that I get asked about as a fundraiser is working on commission-based. And Mm. that is something we've never done and I don't ever think we will do. Can you talk about that myth and why that, again, that's the wrong question. And Uh, I mean, if you have a grant writer working on commission, I would really question I question their sort of professionalism personally because, mm-hmm. but let's talk about that. Like, why is that kind of a no no?
1: Yeah, you just really, really want to stay away from that. They're paying you for your service. They're paying you for the research, these grant opportunities, they're paying you to put the, together the grant application to review, study other funders that they've supported. If you've done any type of grant work, you know that it's a lot and you should be compensated for that. Whether they win the grant or not, of course, it's out of the the hands of the grant writer. But of course, you're going to put together a strong, well-written proposal in hopes that they will win the grant application. So again, just always tell people, remember that, you're being compensated for your services, mm-hmm. just like you would pay an attorney for your, their service. You're paying an accountant for their services. You're paying a grant writer for their services. And then just with the commission, like uh, sometimes people say, oh, the, give me 10% of a $25,000 grant. What if the grant is $2.5 million? Yeah. So i
0: so supposed <laughs> to give
1: nice. you $250,000? Like, And then the funds that the grant is given to you is for the program. For the like, program. Yeah, yeah, it's not for to pay a grant writer that's in your budget so you're misappropriating those funds yeah. so you definitely want to just stay away from commissions just altogether and I and I still see this even from grant writers that have been working they want to move into consultant they've even like should I get should they pay me on on commission so I know this is a real thing So just definitely stay away from that.
0: Yeah. And I do think that often the people who are willing to do that are the ones who are starting out. They don't have experience consulting Mm -hmm. as a grant writer. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like just trying to get work. But that's also a red flag because you want someone with experience. You want someone who, who knows and understands the work and effort that goes into it and not just about peppering grant applications out there that are generic or not thought through.
1: Yes, absolutely. No.
0: Let's talk about though because you mentioned like to hire a good grant writer is it takes an investment and I see this I mean I had someone reach out and ask uh, for a referral for a grant writer and I think they said like 25 or 30 dollars an hour and I'm like first of oh, all most wow. grant writers <laughs> I know are about 80 plus dollars an mm-hmm, hour mm-hmm. and a lot of them work on retainer. Mm-hmm. So There are organizations, especially small ones who are our audience, who don't have the capacity to outsource, but they have staff who've been doing this function, whether it's the executive director or so, I see a lot of program staff write grants. Uh How can we train them? They're not trained grant writers. Uh What kind of skills do we need to develop in them so that they can actually do this work more successfully so that they're not sending out a million grant applications. They're being strategic and being successful with those asks.
1: Yeah, they definitely need, I think one of the steps that have been missing Some, I have my ear quotes. grant writers miss is the cultivation. They jump right into just applying for grants. So your program person that may be applying for grants on behalf of your organization or operations or admin or executive assistant is not talking to the funders. These are people just get on the phone and talk to them. They want to know about your programs and services. They want to know more about your organization and what you're doing. And the impact is important. The impact that you're making in the community. And you'll see sometimes, I think what's discouraging for your smaller nonprofits is those, what's that that statement when they try to apply for a grant where it says we're not accepting unsolicited, yeah. unsolicited proposals that that's just to scare you away that means absolutely nothing i mean it means absolutely nothing to me i don't care about that so i just still will go on to their 990 check out who's on their board, trustees, see who they funded in the past is similar to the organization that I may be working with. I'm like, hey, don't you know so-and-so over there? Or even if you don't know anyone, I just really research board member. I literally like stalk the board members. I'll go and just like Google their name, see mm-hmm. where they work. And I'll send them an email and tell them about the nonprofit that that I'm working with. I'll pick, uh, put together like a template email to send to the ED. Like you need to send this email to this person and tell them about mm. your organization. And you would be surprised that that works. So small nonprofits, just again, you're you're promoting your yourself. It's like marketing your nonprofit and the things that you're doing. So just don't be afraid to do that.
0: I want to get into the nitty gritty of that email that you <laughs> reach out with, because I think people send so much information and they, and like so many, like not necessarily proposals, but like almost like digital brochures or, Mm -hmm, you know, we're just like, mm -hmm. here's everything you need to know about our organization. What actually needs to go into that first outreach email Mm -hmm. that makes it successful? Because the goal is not to get the grant in that email. Mm -mm. The goal is to open up the conversation. So how do we, what do we ask for? How do we send that?
1: So it's literally very short and sweet. It's like three lines, And that's the email that they're going to read. So you just start off with, you know, hi, introducing you. My name is, I'll say my name is Deron Harris and I work at at this organization and I'm the executive director. I'm the newly hired executive director. That's typically what a lot of my clients,
0: (laughs) they love that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they love that. And we are perfectly aligned with your program and services you serve young children with developmental disabilities ages 10 to 18. We've served already like 300 students this year. We've been able to make this type of impact where there's typically not any programs or services for this population, or even the schools may have limited options or availability or training and services for this population. We've been able to show this impact. That's pretty much it. I would love to partner with you. I don't say give us money. I don't mm-hmm. say how do we apply for a grant. I don't say any of those things. I'll just say I would love to partner with you. How can we do that? I'm happy to hop on a call, happy to schedule a meeting if they're local and y'all are local, yeah. and you would be surprised. It pretty much works 90% of the time.
0: Okay, so everyone hit rewind <laughs> and listen to that again with a pen and paper or type it out because that is gold. Like that is basically like the number one thing most organizations can shift to do way more effectively. And if you don't hear from them, that's still okay. Like a lot of grant processes are more like fill out the form, blah, blah, blah. But you're you're getting on their radar, whether exactly. or not they respond. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And if I, you don't, if I don't hear from that board member, again, I'm stalking the other ones. I'm going to reach out to the other ones as well. So I highly encourage this email come from the executive director mm. and I essentially type up the email for them and just um, have them send it out. And I do. And this is what a lot of grant training does do not teach you. They don't teach you cultivation. They don't yeah. teach you how to do that. And that's what I teach in my training classes
0: awesome so let's walk through you get that meeting again i think so many organizations are like great let's pitch but what actually happens in that first meeting when you have the conversation what does cultivation mean and look like cuz it's one of those words that like we know as fundraisers and grant writers we use it a lot but uh, okay. if that's not your profession you might not even understand what that means.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I always tell people, you're just getting on a meeting. You're, getting this, you're meeting a new person. So just treat them like a new person. If you were networking, if you were at an event, if you were in the supermarket, just talk to them like you talk to when you meet a new person. They're an individual. They're a human being. They're you. So um, how would you want to be treated? You wouldn't want it to be like a give me, give me situation. It's a mutual. It should be a mutual benefit. Yeah. So great funders are typically looking to add new. um, You're
0: helping them do their job. Yeah. They're always
1: looking to find new nonprofits to fund sometimes. So yeah, just have a conversation. And typically that meeting, that first meeting is just them getting to know you. And then I always tell people, let them talk. Let them talk a lot. You just be quiet and take a lot of notes and you, you'll you get a lot of information from those meetings. And then they'll mm-hmm. open the door into we'd we'll love for you to pursue an application. This is what we funded in the past. This is what we're looking to fund now. This is the process to do that. And I can send you the information to, to get that done.
0: Love it. Are there I mean, I would say the art of grant writing itself is also very specific. This is not like other types of writing. And and that's like a huge conversation. And I know you teach this to organizations, but what tips do you have if you are an organization, the things that you need to include as you write a grant to be successful? I always see organizations just kind of like, the writing is off like it's not yeah. answering the question yeah, that the organization that. is asking for. Yeah. yeah,
1: Start with that. I was just about to say this and they do not answer the question. I've been a grant reviewer as well. And that actually made me a better grant writer when I would read the question mm-hmm. and I would read their answer. I was like, this didn't answer the question. Like This isn't what we asked you. We asked you to describe your implementation of your program or your strategy for implementing your program and I don't even know what you just said in this in this answer so that's the, the skill it's answering the question but then not using jargon or not using yeah. language that people that aren't in your industry so my Litmus test, as you will. As I write to where a nine-year-old or third grader, if I was in a classroom and I was doing one of those, what is it? Career day? Tell me what you do for a living. (laughs) I always talk like that in my grant applications. They're very simplistic, easy to read, easy to understand. Even if it's like a technical program, it's very simple to understand what's going on. And I think that's that's the skill (laughs) set.
0: I was doing homework with my 10 and a half year old son this morning, and he had to answer questions for his math homework. And I'm teaching him to look back at the question and use the language the question uses in the answer. And that's what I do with grants as well. I don't write that many grants anymore, but that's what I like. Okay, you rephrase the question in the answer. I do that
1: all the time. I literally restate the question in my answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think that just helps you stay on track. And this brings up for me this like templating idea, because I know a lot of organizations, they just want the templates, the canned answers that they can just plug and play into all of the grant applications that they're doing but that doesn't always work. So I think that helps me personally, like overcome that idea of like template and actually say, okay, what information are they looking for?
1: Yeah. What I'll try to guide organizations to use is boilerplate language, or some people call it case statement language, but Mm -hmm. I really stress it has to be tailored. It's going to have to be manipulated, but it gives you that basis. And it really is kind of like, how grants need to be answered that's basically yeah. what i'm showing you that model that you'll have once i'm gone and no longer working at your organization or you have a new grant writer come in this is the model the way that they need to talk your program and things are going to change but it's like guide if you yeah. will for your grant applications yeah
0: i love it we get the grant Woo-hoo! <laughs> Yay! That, the work's not done no right no. and again i think this is where a lot of organizations fall short is that they think, okay, well, I'm done until I have to report on the grant a year from now. What can we, which also is an area, but like, what can we do to continue the relationship during that time? Basically, how do we set ourselves up for renewal, which I also do think mm-hmm. is reporting too. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we manage that relationship after we actually get a grant?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you want to first celebrate, you won the grant. Yippee. And that's so exciting, especially if it's your first one or your first few, and you want to um, really read over that grant agreement that comes in. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have on there when the grant reporting requirements are due. So a lot of times it looks like a contract and nobody wants to read it. So give this to your person that's detail oriented or whatever because they need they need to take a look at it. It's some larger organizations I've worked with, they have their finance people look through that because that's what they like to do. Mm-hmm. But definitely read through the grant agreement. It'll have the requirements and things that need to be submitted in the reporting. And your report is setting you up for renewal. Just like you said, Cindy, you want to show them how that you use their money, how their money made a big impact, how you were able to really speak to the missions that they like to fund. And another thing that under, actually, like to hear is the challenges that you've mm-hmm. experienced, the things that you were able to overcome. What was the problem in your market or industry or with your clients that you were able to provide for them? So, don't shy away from challenges. Don't shy away from anything that you struggled with. Even with staffing, you've had turnover concerns or issues because, mm-hmm. um, Grant funders read through these things and they they notice like, this has been a problem. We've seen a trend with nonprofits. We want to support them with hiring staff. We want to provide some type of professional development for their staff. So really, really speak to those challenges as well.
0: Yeah. Is it just the report? Is it like, if your contract is you owe them a report a year later, mm-hmm. is that all you do? Or do you do interim reports? Do you touch base? Like how else can we set ourselves up for future success?
1: Yeah, so I will only suggest that you submit what they request. So they want one report, just submit that. They want an interim and a final report, submit that, of course. And then as the new opportunity to apply again comes forth, especially if they've had some shift in their funding and they're changing like a lot of the things that they're funding. Again, speak to your program officer. You've funded us in the past. We would love to talk to you with some new changes that either you or they have made. So um, definitely keep the lines of communication open that you don't want to only hear from, they should not only hear from you when it's time to apply for a grant.
0: Awesome. Is there anyone in an organization who's like more naturally I want to say gifted, like based on their skill set, anyone in your organization who is more gifted, if they're not a formal grant writer, that they have that it's aligned really well with their job. So, administrative, you mentioned finance. I'm not sure the finance team is going to want to sit there and write grants, no. but like Mm-mm. if we're looking to have someone in our organization do this work and we don't have a grant writer, where should we be looking or what skill sets should we be looking for? I don't know. That's a good question.
1: It's a learned set skill set. It's not something there's like, Oh, this person's so detailed. They'll be a great grant writer. It's really learning the skill set of writing grants. So I've seen some great people that have had background in operations or administrative learn to write grants and then some people they were program people they're really good I think they're probably your best because they've sat in the program and can speak to that but again they still need to you know be trained and on how to write grants and then again you get better at this by just doing it yeah to be honest with you I probably didn't be get to a level of expert as a grant writer to like five years after doing this for five years. And that was for me doing this like every week, submitting grants weekly. Wow. So yeah, it's, it takes time and it's something that you learn best by doing. And I always tell people to save yourself a lot of time is get some proper training on the right way to do it. So you won't do it wrong for so long. So get that foundational support yeah. and training that you need.
0: Yeah. I've had organizations say they've submitted like 50 grants in a year and, and did not get any. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's not about the quantity, Mm-mm. it's so much about the quality. Mm-mm. And you're going to get so much further if you can do it well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Deronda, where can our listeners learn more about you and connect with you? I know you have a program where you train non grant writers how to become in-house grant writers in their organization. So where can our listeners connect?
1: Yes, I absolutely do have a program target for the busy executive directors that are doing all the things. They're responsible for fundraising, including grants, they are responsible for managing their team, program operations, consultants, contractors, and they just have so much on their plate. A lot of executive directors are experienced professionals, but they're new to their organization. So they may be a new executive director and they're just like, I need to go after grants. Just don't have the capacity, even the mental Mm -hmm. capacity to do that. So you may have someone in-house that you trust and want to let them be the grant person, if you will, or your grant writer, your grant manager, but you need someone like to support them, to train them up, to help them with cultivation, solicitation, preparing a grant application and submission. So I do have the train up your grant writer program. And you can find out more information about that on junefirstfirm.com. And I have all the details on the program, how to sign up, how to get a discovery call. We just launched our cohort one, October 31st. So very excited about that. But I do have, of course, you can sign up for one-on-one training for that as well. And LinkedIn is my jam. I'm on there nearly every day. So feel free to (laughs) send me a message in my inbox.
0: Yeah, I just love what you're doing because i think that training in-house staff to be able to do this function without the stress added stress on an executive director's shoulders like i hear from eds all the time like it's harder for them to manage someone to do the work like it's it's more work to delegate than to just get things done on their own but then if they just do it on their own they have limited capacity. So I think this option is so, so valuable. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And yeah, thank you for sharing your wisdom. I think so practical what you shared today. And yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: Absolutely. I had a ball. Thanks so much, Cindy. Thanks.
0: And of course, to you, our listeners, thank you again. We'll see you next week. <music> Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.